Hey, if you're invested in the Las Vegas mayoral race, and really, we should all be, you're going to want to check out the Nevada Independent Mayoral Forum on Wednesday, May 15th at the Fountain Blue. The Indy CEO, John Ralston, will be moderating a live panel with the three frontrunners. You know, it could get spicy, so don't miss it. Tickets are available at thenevadaindependent.com slash events. And as a bonus for CityCast Las Vegas members, we've got two pairs of tickets we're giving away tonight. So make sure to join at membership.citycast.fm if you haven't already. As Nevada considers legalizing magic mushrooms, there's probably a lot of us who don't have experiences with any psychedelics. So what's the hubbub? Well, the expansive minds over at Area 15 are bringing comedian-slash-psychonaut Shane Moss to Las Vegas. Shane has created an immersive performance called A Better Trip, which is enjoying an extended residency starting April 23rd. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk to Shane about all things psychedelics. It's science, it's art, and it's comedy all rolled up into one trippy conversation. It's Monday, April 10th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Welcome to CityCast Las Vegas, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, you're you're out there as a comedian. Uh, you also talk a lot about the use of psychedelics and its impact on the brain and where it goes. Are there any psychedelics that you haven't done yet that you're curious about or maybe won't go there? Uh, 5-MAO, DMT, or Bufo. Uh, it's uh, from a toad and you smoke it. And I've had opportunities and I've, it hasn't been the right kind of set and setting or timing in my life when I've had those opportunities to do it. Um, DMT is the craziest experience that I've ever had. And I'll, I'll share DMT experiences on, I, I do a lot of science themed shows and I have a psychedelic themed show that I'm bringing to Vegas. And so when I do psychedelic themed shows and I talk about DMT, people will be like, have you done five MEO DMT? And, and um, I'm like, no, I haven't. And they're like, oh, that's like the next level. And I'm like, I'm not sure that I need another level. Actually, <laughs> you, You've leveled up enough. You're done with that part of the video game. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, there's there's a few things that I've that I've considered doing. I have a documentary, Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics on Amazon Prime. And I, I was almost going to do a few more things for that and then decided against it. Um, I, Ibogaine's one that uh, that that a lot of people have had success with for addiction, but it's very intense. They have to have like defibrillators and stuff. People uh, people can uh, like it's stopped people's hearts before. People have had heart attacks on it. I once asked Rick Doblin, who's the founder of the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, one of the one of the bigger. Um, psychedelic research organizations and and nonprofits out there in the space they kind of brought 
and legitimized psychedelics again over the last couple decades. Yeah. I I told him I was considering doing ibogaine, and I was like, I was like, I heard it can be like a twenty four hour nightmare, and he's like, Oh no, <laughs> it can be much longer than that. Oh, great, great, great. great. <laughs> so. Well, and Shane, I don't want to discount uh, your cred. Doesn't just come from using all these different psychedelics, but you have a science podcast, you're very well read and you research a lot on that. And that does come out in your performances as well. Could you maybe also just describe your personal journey then with psychedelics as it relates to your own mental health? Um, yeah, I mean, so psychedelics were something that always helped. I I was always a very depressed young kid. I'm, uh, I'm bipolar. And so mushrooms were something that always helped me with depression. And I had, um, 20 years of nothing but really positive impacts with psychedelics. And then in 2017 and making my documentary, um, we were kind of in a time crunch and, uh, on a budget and I did, more psychedelics far more often than I would have normally. And I didn't allow like cramming for an exam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And integration is really, really important. And if you don't integrate and you just keep on doing psychedelics, some of those connections can establish themselves apparently. And I, I ended up uh, being sent on a very long trip, had a, had an extreme manic episode. I, I'd only ever been hypomanic like once a year, or so I would I would be hypomanic because I'm I'm bipolar, and uh, and that was always the best part of of being bipolar. But then a full blown manic episode, of n- no sleep for weeks, leading to psychosis, leading to uh, psych ward, and uh, yeah, I, it it changed my relationship with psychedelics. I, I I'm scared of manic episodes now. Mm. Now, you're not just a comedian, you're a comedian who has been quite successful in your career going back uh, a a bit now. You've been on broadcast TV, multiple appearances on Conan show, late night shows, cable all over the place. So you might have a familiar name or face to a lot of people, but how has this journey with psychedelics affected your approach to comedy? So I was a traditional, you know, doing Conan, things like that. And then um, I guess in 2010, I was entering my 30s and wanted to talk about more challenging subjects. I always had a big interest in science. And so I started doing science-themed shows. And the psychedelic thing was like very organic and by accident. I had my second science-themed show. I went on some podcasts promoting it. Um, I was asked a few questions. And the subject of, of DMT just happened to get brought up. Uh, it, it wasn't a plan or anything. And, um, and it took over this, this whole episode of a, of a show got me a lot of attention. And then people wanted to hear all about my DMT experiences. And I was like, well, I have all this material, I guess I could try to put together a themed show. And, uh, that it turned out to be really popular. I, I wish, I wish people were more interested in other science subjects that I'm interested in, but right. but psychedelics do happen to be a really good gateway to talking about perception and consciousness in a way that uh, people are interested in and and curious about and sometimes find relatable. And so, psychedelics are actually my gateway to science uh, communication for a lot of people. It's just I I like talking about biology and evolution and insects and all sorts of things that I wish the world was more interested in. Yeah, kind of an evolution of comedy, too, with more storytelling and different approaches to it. 
I'm wondering, though, from your standpoint and experiences, what sort of biases around psychedelics you have encountered? Well, I mean, there was a lot of propaganda back in the 60s that made them uh, Nixon scheduling them in the first place and, you know, kicked off the whole war on drugs that I think really has done quite a bit more harm than good. And then just just for our listeners who don't know, scheduling is something the federal government does with regard to the dangerousness, essentially, of the drug and the higher the or actually the lower the schedule number, schedule one drugs, uh, you can't do anything with. And then it yeah. kind of gets a little bit better as you go down the schedule. And a lot of these drugs that we're talking about are schedule one drugs. Yeah. So schedule two drugs include like cocaine, methamphetamines, that sort of thing. So so marijuana and, and psychedelics, according to our federal government still today and, uh, and, and several places around the globe followed suit are the most heavily scheduled drug. And it also doesn't really impact use. Like no one's like, what schedule is this drug that I'm going to put in my mouth? And it doesn't necessarily impact the laws because you'll get more trouble for like a schedule two cocaine than you will a schedule one marijuana, which is legal in many places. And so the only practical implication of it is that it makes it so scientists can't study this stuff. And and I think that's the biggest tragedy of it all. And so I, I think I think further research uh, would get us a long ways and clearing up a lot of things. And then on the other side of it, there's there's like people that are that are very evangelical about psychedelics. There's a lot of sensationalism. They're getting really popular these days. Um, in 2017, there was like Michael Pollan had written a book, How to Change Your Mind, that was on the front of bookstores and everything. And that that really changed, uh, you know, suddenly a lot of older people or more conservative people that that wouldn't normally be interested in this stuff were, were taking an interest in and looking to it as a as a potential avenue for mental health but there's also there's a lot of you know there's like a lot of like shady even sometimes very well-meaning underground stuff that happens and and this is this is a big part of the problem with having these things not legal for clinical use is is that they're pushed underground and becomes problematic there's there's a lot of grifting in the i mean just in the wellness communities generally and psychedelics is uh, is a part of the wellness communities now and so there's a there's a lot of like claims being made there's a lot of people peddling um the snake oil type approach yeah right? a, a lot of supplement i mean i think a lot of people get really interested in in psychedelics and and think that there's a lot of hope in the space and then they figure out well how can i do this for a living and how can i monetize this and then you get into you know um capitalism ruins are, everything it really does <laughs> yeah so, oh and, man and so there's a there's a lot of weird there's a lot of like four thousand dollar like rebirthing ceremonies and stuff like that and there's a lot of like motivational speakers getting into the psychedelic space and I I don't know I I guess I'm a little more toward the skeptic side of things my my position is that they should be rescheduled so that they can be studied it, it's as simple as that. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. 
over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Now, you also mentioned that you, you have had terrible experiences with some psychedelics sometimes. Do, do you still partake? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason why I'm into ketamine now is because ketamine, uh, certainly in my case, but it's historically not known to cause manic episodes like something like mushrooms or ayahuasca, which was what triggered my first one, can do. Um, I don't like it as much as the, of those other ones, but I'm certainly not as evangelical about psychedelics as I was back in like 2015, 16, when I was touring with my first show. My show now has a few more grounded um, approaches and lessons within it. And, and, and so. I think that brings us to a, an important disclaimer is that you're not suggesting it's for everybody. And also that, especially in places where it is not legal or decriminalized, that people would be doing it at a risk, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. In, in fact, I almost never respond to anyone's questions for advice because I don't know you and, uh, and, and there's individual differences apply and, you know, do your own research, but also know that I, I don't, I don't know, uh, some of the research just because of the way the scheduling stuff is, is like sensationalized and, it's it's really tricky territory. And a perfect segue then is that Nevada uh, right now is considering a measure in our legislature that if passed will decriminalize possession and use of psychedelic mushrooms. So basically psilocybin for people over 18 years old. Mm. What do you think should be the government's role as it relates to psychedelics like uh, magic mushrooms? I mean... I I will say that making drugs illegal has, in many cases, like prohibition and many times afterwards, has not had the intended effect. I definitely am not one to say like, hey, let's just make everything legal and everyone do whatever they want. I, I think in some ideal world, if I was, if I had my own island or country or something like that i would probably have something where it's like uh you you can get professional treatment in a clinic and then and and perhaps um with enough treatment there would be something where you can get a license or something like that mm. i think that um i think that it will be exciting if vegas is a test case to see how it goes i think that they're following what denver and, and portland I think Washington State has has one in effect. Well, Shane, what do you think Nevadans should know based on your experiences and research about psychedelics as we debate this question? Because it's well, not well, law yet. It's still being debated. You know, boy, I, I would still I would love to see them 
in a guided setting. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't know as a teenager that, you know, frankly, I'm kind of lucky to be alive. I, I once when I was very young, drove on acid and crashed my car and stuff like that. And, you know, so I, I've made some just really stupid mistakes in my life. And, and the internet was a very new thing when I was starting to experiment with these things. And there wasn't the huge amount of resources that there are today. Now there's like very simple things about you can learn about what set and setting means. You can learn about what dosage you should be taking. You can learn about the potency of different strains. You can learn about what kind of environment, what you want to set up for yourself and integration, something like that, that even, even people that are responsible users just miss out on the opportunity of, I, I think the best part of the psychedelic experience is the neuroplasticity that you have in the following days afterwards to make kind of more positive changes in your life, to integrate some new patterns and, and habits in your life in a, a, a much faster way than it usually takes to form a new habit. And so I would say research best practices before dabbling into any of these substances. Yeah. And, and one of the components of that bill is to actually make a set aside for research for medicinal purposes of MDMA. So that's kind of an interesting component, too. But I, I want to also maybe push back a little bit uh, sure. in that we we do have legalized weed very prevalent in our community now. There are a lot of drugs and drug talk about the negative impact of it. Are we becoming mm -hmm. too drugged out as a, as a society right now? Are we going maybe too far the other way with the pendulum? There is some people that are too drugged out. Are we as a nation too drugged out? Nah. In terms of priorities, no. I mean, I see opiates and things like that being a, very, a really big problem for people. I don't think a couple states decriminalizing psilocybin is like some slippery slope necessarily. I, I just think that there will be there will be negatives that come along with it that will be new challenges that will also have to in hopefully a democratic way vote to figure out how to how how to resolve as a society. I want to note you're you're pretty well known for a prior show called A Good Trip, and this one's called A Better Trip. So yeah. how is Better Trip different from Good Trip? Well, like I said, I was a lot more evangelical back then. And then I had some, you know, mental health issues. And, and so from things like that, my, my show, A Better Trip, is a little bit more about lessons that I've learned from past mistakes and from positive experiences, too, about how to optimize a psychedelic experience. But more importantly, just what I've learned from psychedelics about having a better life. I think a lot of those things that I mentioned, set and setting and correct dosage and and uh, integration are things that you can apply to your workouts or or your your office work or taking vacations or or watching the news um mindfulness is something that helps in a lot of different facets of life not just when you're meditating and i would think of psychedelics as like a meditative aid in that way so so that's that's what this better trip is about and in really Actually, kind of the thesis that I open and close the show with is really that existence itself is really crazier and trippier than any trip that you could ever have. And and so I, I open the show with talking about, you know, the Big Bang and, and the 13.7 billion years of life and 4.6 billion years of life on this planet that everything that happened for us to be here. And so you start with that. the Big Bang. This is a very long show. 
It's a very long show. It's a 13.7 billion year long show. So well, if you take psychedelics while watching it, it probably goes faster or slower. Which uh, that time dilation is unpredictable during those psychedelics. Yeah. Well, Shane Moss, it's been a trip having you here on CityCast Las Vegas. We appreciate uh, you taking the time and look forward to you coming for your six week residency over at Area 15, starting on April 23rd, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. And now for a not-so-literal microdose of news. Newly released letters written to October 1 mass killer Stephen Paddock suggest he might have hinted at or somehow communicated his plans before his deadly spree. Steve, please, please don't do what I think you're going to do, a Texas man wrote to him in May 2017. Metro acquired the letters shortly after the massacre, but just now released them only after a review journal records request. The letter's author says no police agency ever contacted him. And a lot of Las Vegans wonder why municipal officials don't turn empty motels into homeless housing. Now, Clark County has done just that. The former Safari Motel on Fremont Street, inside the city of Las Vegas' jurisdiction, now serves as transitional housing with supportive services for some 50 people at a time. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did you enjoy the show? Learn something new about psychedelics? Then send this episode to a friend! Everyone's welcome to the CityCast party, so bring all your friends. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. A lot of the bad trip experiences that I hear about are, you know, someone went to a... uh, did mushrooms once when they were in college and they went to a frat party and and oh it was awful like well yeah i'm pretty sure i know where you went wrong there that frat parties are awful they are an awful awful time mushrooms tried to show you that (laughs) you blamed the mushrooms for your negative experience you know so so there's a there's a lot of uh fun playing with the common the common things that I've heard from people and questions that I get from people. And might I add that there's a uh, video jockey, Michael Strauss, who's been um, making installations for domes and and events and, and projector art for 20 years. And he is live improvising and adding images to all of my materials so that you can kind of see what my trips are actually like.